0: I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. If you could locate verse 37. Deviating away from what the plan was for today, uh, as I shared with you last week, I want to ask you to turn to Romans 8, find verse 37. We'll spend a few minutes together here in this passage and in the book of Romans. I want to share with you a message entitled, Yet. In all these things. I think my mic can go up just a touch back there. So Romans 8 verse 37 says, and this is the word of the Lord. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Let's pray together. Father, it is truly great to be here today to be with Your people And Lord, to worship You. Father, it is such an act of Your mercy and grace that we are able to do so. But thank You, Lord. I thank You, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that old, old story of Jesus Christ crucified, risen again on the third day, that saves. Father, I'm grateful that we can And are reminded of that today. I pray, Father, as the gospel has gone out and goes out, that you would use it in our lives, all of us, from those who are already children of God to those who have not yet become children of God through faith in Jesus. I pray, Lord, use your word today in us. I thank you for everyone here, for all those attending online. In Jesus' name, amen. Yet in all these things, um, you see in this verse that the passage tells us we are more than conquerors. It was fitting because yesterday my me and my children went down to, uh, most of the kids went down to Huntsville with Brother Jacob and some who were preaching the gospel down there and uh, handing out gospel tracts. And to one individual, one man who was walking across, I, I asked him, I said, Sir are we giving out the gospel, gospel tracts tonight? Can I give you one of these? He looked at me and said, no, Jesus is not real. And y'all are all losers. And he didn't realize he was becoming a part of my sermon this morning by saying that. Because this passage, verse 37, tells us right the opposite of that. We're not all losers. And this passage is going to tell us that Jesus Christ is absolutely real. And perhaps one of the reasons that Christians fall away, that they stop believing, deconstruct, whatever you might call it these days, apostatize from the faith, is that they get away from the Bible and from some of the very critical truths that we're just going to briefly look at this morning and remind ourselves of. Because all of us might go through a really difficult time in life, difficult time in our faith where we struggle and we wonder and we doubt. And I hope that maybe this passage will help shore us up if that's you or if that has been you. It may be you one of these days. What I'd like to do to kind of give us a run and go to get into this is give you uh, six words that will help uh, outline chapters 5 through 8 in the book of Romans. The first word that I would give to you to summarize this is the word conversion. Conversion. In chapter 5, that word, I I would submit to you, would kind of characterize this chapter, conversion, where we have been changed, we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is to be converted. You've been changed by the gospel. The second thing that I would point out to you is consecration. In chapter 6, this uh, chapter, at least in part, the majority of it, reminds us and teaches the church that we are, who were once slaves of sin are now slaves to righteousness. We have been consecrated. We are a people who are sacred, who are set apart to God. We've been consecrated. In chapter 7, you might find the word or think of the word conflict to define chapter 7. And the conflict that goes on here is the conflict that is going on within a believer as they struggle with being in the flesh but yet now being one who has been born again and living in the Spirit and we realize that so often the things that we want to do, we don't do. And the things that we don't want to do, we do. And there's that constant battle going on and Paul would end that chapter by saying even about himself, in verse twenty-four, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So conflict. But then, number uh, eight or uh, for chapter eight, we're going to have three words for chapter eight. The first one's condemnation. Now you might write out beside that word, in slash A, not applicable. So condemnation is not applicable to the one who is in Christ. The very first verse of Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so it it is true because uh, the law of the Spirit in verse 2 in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So there is that law of sin and death that is upon every man and against every man. And we are indeed guilty. But yet, through Jesus Christ, that condemnation that is deservingly there, we are freed from it. So there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. The second word for the chapter 8 that I would share with you is consummation. And this found in verses 18 through 30. Where what we find in here is, as I summarize it, is that there's going to come a day to where we will take part in the glorious liberty of the children of God. There will come a day when there will be, in verse 23, the redemption of our bodies. And the hope that we have now will actually be seen. It will be material. It will be in front of us. We will see it. Because you see in verse 24, we are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope for why does one still hope for what he for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And so we come to verse 31 And the last word that I would give you today for this section of Romans is the word confidence. And that's something that sometimes can be lacking. We wait for this hope with perseverance, and we must wait for it with perseverance because this life often contains suffering for the believer and even in previously here in verse eighteen, Paul is really talking about suffering and having to. Uh, share what he's sharing with the Romans now, the Roman Christians because of suffering. He says in verse 18 of Romans 8, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. I can't spend a lot of time there. We'll work through verse 31 through 39 now very quickly. If you would look there with me. The first thing that we're going to see here is seven questions undergirding Christian confidence in God. Seven questions that are found in this passage in verses 31 through 35 that undergird our Christian confidence. And it is probably these seven questions that end up being answered the wrong way by Professing believers that cause them some, cause many of them to fall away and st- to stop believing in Christ, to stop having a confidence in Christ. These are seven important questions. The first one, and I'm not going to list them for you on the screen. You'll see them in your passage in the Bible. I hope verse thirty-one. We find the first two here in verse thirty-one. What then shall we say? To these things that which preceded it. In chapter eight, what then shall we say to these things? God's predestining of us, calling us, justifying and then the promise to glorify us. That truth in. And then the suffering that we endure in this life as Christians. What then shall we say to these things? And then he answers it with the question. This is the second question. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, I'm going to take all the words out that are implied. If you look in the New King James Version, any word that's italicized there is only implied in the text. It's not found literally in the passage. So literally, the reading of that second question would be, if God for us, who against us? And maybe that's as critical as any of them because when we begin to suffer tribulation or persecution or whatever it might be for the sake of Christ, we begin to think God's not for us. And all this is against me or against us. And then the next one's found in verse 32. The scripture says, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? That's the third question that's found here. And what this question does is it backs up or supports the last one that we saw in verse 31. If God for us, who against us? We might ask the question, how is God for me? How is God for us? Verse 32 answers the question. He did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. And then He asked, How shall He not with Him freely give us all things? In the midst of that time of lack of confidence or that suffering that one might endure as a believer, We must, as Paul encourages or lays before his readers to do and lays before us, remember Christ crucified and that that was God's own son who died there on our behalf. And if God allowed his son to die on our behalf, is there anything greater than Christ that he would withhold from us? Will He not with Him freely give us all things? Will He not with Him freely also make all things work together for the good for those who are in Christ Jesus? Will He not with Him also give us the redemption of our bodies? Will He not with Him also give us the glorious liberty of the children of God? Will He not do all of these things for us? And the fourth question is found in verse 33. And rightfully so because it says who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Now, if you think about that for just a second, you know, coming out of verse 32, we still might say, yes, but I, God's promised to give us all of these things because He didn't withhold even Jesus from us. But I'm still such a sinner. I, I still fail Him so much. I am still so chargeable. I am so guilty before God. And you know what? You're right. We are apart from Christ. And that's why the answer to it is so important. Because it says in verse 33 at the end, it is God who justifies. The devil would love to accuse us. And he does, Revelation 12, he accuses the brethren before God day and night. He's always accusing us. Over and over and over and over again, he's accusing us. But God has justified us. And this is what justification means. Justification is when God counts the believing sinner to be righteous while the believer is yet in his sinful condition. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That, that though, yes, we do still sin. Though, yes, we do still fall short of the glory of God. Yet, God counts us righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. While we are yet sinners. Now, as we move on to verse 34. We see, what is this, the fifth question? Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. So there you go. We are chargeable, but not really because we're justified through faith in Jesus. Sometimes we would even perhaps like to condemn ourselves. But no, we must remember it's Christ who died and furthermore is risen. And where is he? Where is he? The right hand of God. And what's He doing? Interceding for us. Did you know that we have an advocate before the Father? Who is He? Jesus Christ, the what? The righteous. righteous. Who is the propitiation, that's right, for our sins. And not for ours only. But also for the whole world. So... Jesus is there at the right hand of God. The judge of all the earth. And though charges and condemnation may come. Against us yet Christ is there the righteous one. In whom we believe in. And he is there interceding for us. Though those charges may come. He is our advocate. Like a lawyer on our behalf before God the Father, and He's there. He does not waver, He does not move, He is faithful, He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So there He is. He intercedes for us, and then we come to our last, our next question, the last two. In verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Good question. Who shall separate us? And then he lists several uh, options and a question shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Why would he list these? Now, I'll give you maybe a a reason as to why. Why tribulation? Why distress? Why persecution? Why famine? Why nakedness? Why peril or sword? Here's, Here's probably the reason. It's because in the midst of those events in our lives, those are the times when we will most doubt the love of God. I'm suffering all this trouble. Is there any way God loves me? Nakedness? I don't don't even have clothes to put on. Is there any way that God actually loves me? Distress. Peril. Danger. But yet. Paul here lists these out because knowing that those are the times in our lives and perhaps he even faced it himself because he certainly endured these things. He could say and teach the Romans and us with confidence that none of those things separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. He goes on in verse 36, he says, As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. That was how he was viewed. Yet in verse 37, this is where we began. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I've shared this with you before, but I'll remind you of it again. It would be one thing if he said, yet in all these things, you are conquerors through him who loved us. But he didn't say that. He didn't stop there. He went beyond that and said, you're not just a conqueror. You're actually more than a conqueror. Now, how in the world could we be more than conquerors through suffering all of those things or enduring all of those things? Here's probably the way. It's because, do you remember Romans eight twenty eight? If you look there. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Now if we take that verse for what it says and apply it right here in verse 37, we could pretty easily generate the conclusion that the way that we are more than conquerors is because all of the things that were to bring about our demise actually worked out for our good. Actually worked out to make us more fit for glory. Actually worked out that we might know Christ in His sufferings and partake with Him in it. It all actually worked out for our good. So there was no loss. But we actually became more than conquerors through Him. How did we do it? It was through Him who loved us. Now, in verse 38 and 39, For I am persuaded that neither death nor nor life. Now look at these extremes. You got death nor life. And then you have nor angels nor principalities nor powers. So the principalities nor powers would be um, the invisible realm of the evil. Angels would be that of the good. And then nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from what? The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we see in verse 37, that Christians are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And we see finally in verse 39, That the love of God is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's so telling there at the end of verse 39. Because people might go and look for the love of God in all sorts of places. But the place in which that love is most distinctly found for us. Is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know the love of God? Do you know it through Christ Jesus, our Lord? That is the place where it will be found. I I hope that maybe a quick um, exposition, a quick run through of these verses, maybe will help you where you are today. If you're struggling in confidence and following the Lord and knowing the Lord, maybe this passage will remind you of these things. But listen, it can't stop there. You have to believe what the Word of God says. Okay? It's not enough to just have a a knowledge of it. Do you believe what the Scripture says? And in believing, do you understand that God is a rewarder of those who believe in Him and of those who diligently seek Him? Let's believe that together. And if you've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation this morning if you do not have confidence that He is at the right hand of God interceding for you, I I plead with you this morning, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who died for our sins, was buried and rose again on the third day and lives forevermore and is able to save to the uttermost all those who come to God through Him. Let's pray together. Lord, I do thank you for your word. Lord God, you've given it to us, and it is settled forever in heaven. And, uh, Father, whatever charge or condemnation might be rightly brought against us, for we have sinned, and we sin. But yet, Lord, we look beyond that to Jesus Christ, the Crucified One. And Father, trust in His work on the cross. I thank You for all that this passage teaches us concerning Your Son and concerning who Your people are in Him. So Lord, I pray that as we walk with You, that we would truly let our lives be consecrated unto You because of Your Son. In His name I pray. Amen.